Hello. Okay. So I found this story. I didn't. I haven't seen in any books that I've read so far, and it is by Edgar Allan Poe, my favorite author. Um, and it's called the Tale of or a a Tale of the Ragged Mountains. <laughs> So, um, I haven't really done story time with Izzy on here like that, but I'm going to see about trying to start it again, or start it up on here. So, enjoy, and enjoy. <laughs> You're listening to me, story time with Izzy, reading a tale of the... Oops, sorry. A Tale of the Rugged Mountain. Or the Ragged Mountains. Of the Ragged Mountains. Hello, Samantha. Good morning. Um, yeah, A Tale of the Ragged Mountains. That's the name of the story. And it's by my favorite author, Edgar Allan Poe. And it was, <clears throat> it was done in... This story itself was published in 1843. So, hopefully you guys enjoy. So, yeah. Okay. Uh-oh. All right. During the fall of the year, 1827, while residing near Charlottesville, Virginia, I casually made the acquaintance of Mr. Augustus Bedlow. This young gentleman was remarkable in every aspect i'm sorry in every respect and excited in me a profound interest and curiosity i found it impossible to comprehend him either in his moral or his physical relations of his family i could obtain no satisfactory account whence he came i never ascertained <coughs> excuse me even about his age Although I call him a young gentleman, there was something which perplexed me in no little degree. He certainly seemed young, and he made a point of speaking about his youth. Yet there were moments when I should have had little trouble in imagining him a hundred years of age. But in no regard was he more peculiar than in his personal complexion or personal appearance. He was singularly tall and thin. He stooped much. His limbs were exceedingly long and emaciated. His forehead was broad and low. His complexion was absolutely bloodless. His mouth was large and flexible, and his teeth were more widely, wildly uneven. Uh, hopefully you can hear me okay, Samantha. I'm uh, just getting back on here, so... <clears throat> Although sound, then I had ever before seen teeth in a human head. The expression of his smile, however, was by no means unpleasing, as might, as might be supposed, but it had no variation whatever. It was one of profound mel melancholy, of a phaseless and unceasing gloom. His eyes were abnormally large and round like those of a cat. The pupils, too, upon any accession or a diminution, dim, diminution, dim, sorry, 
of light underwent contraction or dilation, just such as is observed in the feline tribe. In moments of excitement, the orbs grew bright to a degree almost inconceivable, seeming to emit luminous rays not of a reflected but of an intrinsic luster as does a candle or the sun. Yet their ordinary condition was so totally vapid, filmy, and dull as to convey the idea of the eyes of a long-interred corpse. These peculiarities of person appeared to cause him such annoyance, and he was continually alluding to them in a sort of half-explanatory, half-apologetic strain, which, when I first heard it, impressed me very painfully. I soon, however, grew accustomed to it, and my uneasiness wore off. It seemed to be his design rather to insinuate than directly assert it. Physically, he, excuse me, he had not always been what he was, that a long series of neurologic attacks had reduced him from a condition of more than usual personal beauty to that which I saw. For many years past, he had been attended by a physician named Templeton, an old gentleman perhaps 70 years of age, when, whom he had first encountered at Saratoga and from whose attention while there, he either received or fancied that he received great benefit. <laughs> the result was that Bedlow, who was wealthy, had, I'm sorry, let me start that one over. <laughs> the result was that Bedlow, who was wealthy, had made an arrangement with, Mr. with Dr. Templeton, by which the latter, in consideration of a liberal annual allowance, had consented to devote his time and medical experience exclusively to the care of the invalid. Dr. Templeton had been a traveler in his younger days, and at Paris had become a convert sorry, a convert in great measure to the doctrines of Mesmer. It was altogether by means of magnetic remedies that he had succeeded in alleviating the acute pains of his patient, and this success had very naturally inspired the latter with a certain degree of confidence in the opinions from which the remedies had been educed. The doctor, however, like all enthusiasts, had struggled hard to make a thorough convert of his pupil, and finally so far gained his point as to induce the sufferer to submit to numerous experiments. By a frequent repetition of these, the result had arisen which of late days had become so common as to attract little to no attention, but which at the period of with at the period of which I write had very rarely been known in America. I mean to say that between Dr. Templeton and Bedlow there had there had grown up little by little a very distinct and strongly marked report and or magnetic relation. I was, <clears throat> excuse me, I am not prepared to assert, however, that this report extended beyond the limits of the simple sleep-producing power, but this power itself had attained great intensity. At the first attempt to induce the magnetic somnolency, oh, excuse me, somnolency, 
the mesmerist entirely failed. In the fifth or sixth, he succeeded very partially and after long continued effort. Only at the twelfth was the triumph complete. After this, the will of the patient succumbed rapidly so that of the physician so wait succumbed rapidly to that of the physician so that when I first became acquainted with the two sleep was brought about almost instantaneously by the mere volition of the operator even when the invalid was unaware of his presence. It is only now in the year 1845 when similar miracles were when similar miracles are witnessed daily by thousands that I dare venture to record this apparent impossibility as a matter of serious fact. The temperature of Bedloe was in the highest degree sensitive, excitable, enthusiastic. His imagination was singularly vigorous and creative and no doubt if derived, it derived additional force from the habitual use of morphine which he swallowed in great quantity and without which he would have found it impossible to exist. It was his practice to take a very large dose of it immediately after breakfast each morning, or rather immediately after a cup of strong coffee for he ate nothing in the forenoon and then sat and then set forth alone or attended only by a dog upon a long ramble among the chain of wild and dreary hills that lie westward and southward of Charlottesville, and are there dignified by the title of the Ragged Mountains. Upon a dim, warm, misty day, toward the close of November, excuse me, <clears throat> and during the strange in interregnum of the seasons, which in America is termed the Indian summer, Mr. Bedloe departed as usual for the hills. The day passed and still he did not return. You will remember, or wait, I totally skipped the thing. About eight o'clock at night, having become seriously alarmed at his protracted absence, we were about setting out in search of him when he unexpectedly made his appearance in health no worse than usual. And in rather more than ordinary spirits. The account which he gave of his expedition and of the events which had detained him was a singular one indeed. You will remember, said he, that it was about nine in the morning when I left Charlottesville. I bent my steps immediately to the mountains and about 10 entered a gorge which was entirely new to me. I followed the windings of this pass with much interest the scenery which presented itself on all sides, although scarcely entitled to be called grand, had about it in an indescribable and to me a delicious aspect of dreary desolation. The solitude seemed absolutely virgin. I could not help believing that the green sods and the gray rocks upon which I trod had been trodden never before by the foot of a human being, so entirely secluded and in fact in inaccessible except through a series of accidents, is the entrance of the ravine that is that it is by no means impossible that I was indeed the first adventurer, the very first and sole adventurer who had ever penetrated its recesses. The thick and peculiar mist or smoke, which distinguishes the Indian summer and, and which now hung heavily over all objects 
served, no doubt, to deepen the vague impressions which these objects created. So dense that, so dense was this pleasant fog that I could at no time see more than a dozen yards of the path before me. This path was excessive, excessively sinuous, and as the sun could not be seen, I soon lost all idea of the direction in which I journeyed. In the meantime, the morphine had its customary effect, that of enduring all the external world with an intensity of interest. In the quivering of a leaf, in the hue of a blade of grass, in the shape of a trefoil, in the humming of a bee, in the gleaming of a dewdrop, in the breathing of the wind, in the faint odors that come from the forest, there came a whole universe of suggestion, a gay and motley train of rhapsodical and immethodical thoughts. Excuse me. Busied in this, I walked on for several hours during which the mist deepened around me to so great an extent that at length I was reduced to an absolute groping of the way. And now an indescribable uneasiness possessed me, a species of nervous hesitation and tremor. I feared to tread, lest I should be precipitated into some abyss. I remembered two strange stories told about this ragged hills and of the uncouth and fierce races of men who tenanted their groves and caverns. A thousand vague fancies oppressed and disconcerted me. Fancies are more distressing because vague. Very suddenly my attention was arrested by the loud beating of a drum. My amazement was, of course, extreme. A drum in these hills was a thick unknown. A thing unknown. I could not... Sorry. I could not have been more surprised at the sound of the trump of the archangel, but a new and still more astounding source of interest and perplexity arose. There came a wild rattling or jingling sound as if of a bunch of large keys, and upon the instant a dusky visaged and half-naked man rushed past me with a shriek. He came so close to my person that I felt his hot breath upon my face. He bore in one hand an instrument composed of an assemblage of steel rings and shook them vigorously as he ran. Scarcely had he disappeared in the mist before, panting after him with open mouth and glaring eyes, there darted a huge beast. I could not be mistaken in its character. It was a hyena. The sight of this monster rather relieved than heightened my tremors, my terrors, for I now made sure that I dreamed and endeavored to arouse myself to waking consciousness. I stepped boldly and briskly forward. I rubbed my eyes. I called aloud. I pinched my limbs. A small spring of water presented itself to my view. And here, stooping, I bathed my hands and my head and my neck. This seemed to dissipate the equivocal sensations which had hitherto annoyed me. I arose, as I thought, a new man and proceeded steadily and complacently on my unknown way. At length, quite overcome by extortion 
exertion and by a certain oppressive closeness of the atmosphere i seated myself beneath the tree presently there came a feeble gleam of sunshine and the shadow of the leaves of the tree fell faintly but definitely upon the grass at this shadow i gazed wonderingly for many minutes its character stupefied me with astonishment i looked up i looked upward and the tree was a palm while i uh, i now arose hurriedly and in a state of fearful agitation for the fancy that i dreamed would serve me no longer i saw i felt that i had perfect command of my senses and these senses now brought to my soul a world of novel and singular sensation the heat became at all all at once intolerable a strange odor loaded my breeze a low continuous murmur like that arising from a full but gently flowing river came to my ears, intermingled with the peculiar hum of multi multitudinous human voices. While I listened in an extremity of astonishment, which I need not attempt to describe, a strong and brief gust of wind bore off the incumbent, incumbent, okay, incumbent, fog as if by the wand of an enchanter i found myself at the foot of a high mountain and looking down into a vast plain through which wound a majestic river on the margin of this river stood an eastern looking city such as we read of in the arabian tales but of a character which even more singular than any of these described from my position which was far above the level of the town i could perceive in its every nook and corner as if the delineated on a map the streets seemed innumerable and crossed each other irregularly in all directions but were rather long winding winding alleys than streets and absolutely swarmed with inhabitants the houses were wildly picturesque on every hand was a wilderness of balconies of verandas of minarets or minarets of shrines and fantastically carved orioles bazaars abounded and in these were displayed rich rare, rich wares in infinite variety and profusion silks muslins the most dazzling cutlery the most magnificent jewels and gems besides these things were seen on all sides banners and palanquins litters with stately or stately dames close close veiled elephants gorgeously capar cap caparisoned Idols grotesquely honed, drums, banners, and gongs, spears, silver and gilded maces. And amid the crowd and the clamor and the general interest in intricacy and confusion, amid the million of black and yellow women turbaned and robed and of flowing beard, there roamed a countless multitude of holy filleted bulls, while vast legions of the filthy but sacred ape clambered 
chattering and shrieking about the cornices of the mosques or clung to the min minarets and oils from the swarming streets and the banks of to the banks of the river there descended there descended innumerable flights of steps flights of steps leading to to bathing places while the river itself seemed to force a passage with difficulty through the vast fleets of deeply burdened ships that far and wide encountered its surface beyond the limits of the city arose in frequent majestic groups the palm and the cocoa with other gigantic and weird trees of vast age and here and there might be seen a field of rice that the thatched hut of a peasant a tank a stray temple a gypsy camp or a solitary graceful maiden taking her way with a pitcher upon her head to the banks of the magnificent river you will say now of course that i dreamed but not so what i saw what i heard what i felt what i thought had it about it nothing of the unmistakable idiocracy idi idiosyncrasy of the dream all was vigorously or rigorously sorry self-consistent at first doubting that i was really awake i entered into a series of tests which soon convinced me that i was that i really was now when one dreams and in the dream suspects that he dreams the suspicion never fails to confirm itself and the sleeper is almost immediately aroused thus novelists errs not in saying that we are where we are near waking when we dream what we that we dream had the vision occurred to me as i describe it without my suspecting as suspecting it as a dream then a dream it might possibly absolutely happen but occurring as it did and suspected and tested as it was i am forced to class it among other phenomena in this i am not sure that you are wrong observed dr templeton but proceed you arose and descended into the city i arose continued bedlow regarding the doctor with an air of profound astonishment i arose as you say and descended into the city on my way i fell in with an immense populace crowding through every avenue all in the same direction and exhibiting in every action the wildest excitement excitement very suddenly and by some inconceivable impulse i became intensely imbued with personal interest in what was going on i seemed to feel that i had an important part to play without exactly understanding what it was against the crowd which in environed me however i experienced a deep sentiment of animosity i shrank from amid without or from a mid indian half european and officered by gentlemen in a uniform partly british were engaged at great odds with the swarming rabble of the alleys i totally skipped a line my bad yo <laughs> i shrank from amid them and swiftly by a circuitous path reached the and entered the city here all was the wildest tumult and contention a small party of men clad in garments half indian 
half a European and officered by gentlemen in a uniform partly British were engaged at great odds with the storming rabble of the alleys. I joined the weaker party, arming myself with the weapons of a fallen officer and fighting I knew not whom with the nervous ferocity of despair. We were soon overpowered by numbers and driven to seek refuge in a species of kiosk. Here we barricaded ourselves and for the present were secure. From a loophole near the summit of the kiosk, I perceived a vast crowd in furious agitation surrounding and assaulting a gay palace that over overhung the river. Presently from an upper window of this place where there descended an effeminate looking person by means of a string made of the turbans of his attendants. A boat was at hand in which he escaped to the opposite bank of the river. And now a new object took possession of my soul. I spoke a few hurried but energetic words to my companions and having succeeded in gaining over a few of them to my purpose made a frantic sally from the kiosk. We rushed amid the crowd that surrounded it. They retreated at first before us. They rallied, fought madly and retreated again. In the meantime, we were borne far from the kiosk and became bewildered and entangled among the narrow streets of tall overhanging houses into the recesses of which the sun had never been able to shine the rabble pressed impetuously upon us harassing us with their spears and overwhelming us with flights of arrows these latter were very remarkable and resembled in some respects the writhing crease of the malai 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 they were made to Im imitate the body of a creeping serpent and were long and black with a poison barb. One of them struck me upon the right temple. I reeled and fell. An instantaneous and dreadful sickness seized me. I struggled. I gasped. I died. Well, you will hardly persist now, said I, smiling, that the whole of your adventure was not a dream. You were not prepared to maintain that you are dead? When I said these words, I, of course, expected some lively sally from Bedloe in reply, but to my astonishment, he hesitated, trembled, became fearfully pallid, and remained silent. I looked toward Templeton. He sat erect and rigid in his, rigid in his chair. His teeth chattered and his eyes were starting from their s s sockets. Proceed, he at length said hoarsely, hoarsely to Bedloe. For many minutes, continued the latter, my sole sentiment, my sole feeling was that of darkness and non-entity with the consciousness of death. At length, there seemed to pass a violent and sudden shock through my soul as if of electricity. With it came the sense of elasticity and of light. The latter I felt, not saw. In an instant, I seemed to arise from the ground, but I had no bodily no visible, audible, or palpable presence. The crowd had departed. The tumult had ceased. The city was in comparative repose. Re repose. Beneath me lay my corpse with the arrow of my, in my temple, the whole head greatly swollen and disfigured. But all these things I felt, not saw. I took interest in nothing. Even the corpse seemed a matter in which I had no concern. Volition I had none, but appeared to be impelled into motion. In 
then flitted buoyantly out of the city, retracing the circuitous path by which I had entered it. When I had attained the point of the ravine in the mountains at which I had encountered the hyena, I again experienced a shock as of a galvanic battery. The sense of weight of, of volition of substance returned. I became my original self and bent my steps eagerly homeward. But the past had not lost the vividness of the real. And not now, even for an instant, can I compel my understanding to regard it as a dream. Nor was it, said Templeton, with an air of deep solemnity. Yet it would be difficult to say how otherwise it would be it should be termed. Let us suppose only that the soul of the man of today is upon the verge of some stupendous psychal discoveries. Let us content ourselves with this supposition. For the rest, I have some explanation to make. Here is a watercolor drawing, which I should have shown you before, but which an unaccountable sentiment of horror has hitherto prevented me from showing. We looked at the picture which he presented. I saw nothing in it of an extraordinary character, but its effect upon Bedloe was prodigious. prodigious. We, he nearly fainted as he gazed, and yet it was but a miniature portrait, a miraculously accurate one, to be sure of his own very remarkable features. At least this was my thought as I regarded it. You will perceive, said Templeton, the date of this picture. It is here, scarcely visible, in this corner, 1780. And this year was the portrait taken. It is the likeliness of a dead friend, a Mr. Oldid, Oldib, to whom I became much attached at Calcutta during the admin administration of Warren Hastings. I was then only 20 years old when I first saw you, Mr. Bedloe, at Saratoga. It was the miraculous similarity which existed between yourself and the painting, which induced me to accost you to seek your friendship and to bring about those arrangements which resulted in my becoming your constant companion. In accomplishing this point, I was urged partly and perhaps principally by a regretful memory of the deceased, but also, in part, by an uneasy and not altogether horror horrorless curiosity respecting yourself. In your detail of the vision which presented itself to you amid the hills, you have described with the minutest accuracy the Indian city of Benares upon the Holy River. The riots, the combat, the massacre, were the actual events of the in, in, insurrection of Shady Singh, which took place in 1780, when Hastings was put in imminent excuse me, peril of his life. The man escaping by the string of turbans was Shady Singh himself. The party of the, in the kiosk were Sepoys and British officers headed by Hastings. Of this party, I was one and did all I could to prevent the rash and fatal sally of the officer who fell in the crowded alleys, but by the poisoned arrow of a Bengali. That officer was my dearest friend. It was Oldib. You will perceive by these manuscripts, here the speaker produced, wait, 
I don't think I was supposed to read that. <laughs> that at the very period in which you fancy these things amid the hills, I was engaged in detailing them upon paper here at home. Let me grab something to drink. Give me one second. I'm so sorry. And hello to you, Mr. Hakeem. Hi, hi, hi. How you doing, sir? Good to hear you. Good to hear you read. It's good to see you. I'm trying to find my In about a week after this conversation, the following paragraphs appeared in the Charlottesville paper. We have the painful duty of announcing the death of Mr. Augustus Bedlow, a gentleman whose amiable manners and many virtues have long endeared him into the citizens of Charlottesville. Mr. B, for some years past, has been subject to neurologia, which has often threatened to terminate fatally. But this can be regarded only as the immediate cause of his decease. The proximate cause was one of a special singularity. In an excursion of the or sorry, in an excursion to the ragged mountains a few days since, a slight cold and fever were contracted, attended with great determination of blood to the head. To relieve this, Mr Dr. Templeton resorted to topical bleeding. Leeches were applied to the temples. In a fearfully brief period, the patient died. When it appeared that in the jar containing the leeches had been introduced by accident, one of the venomous ver vermicular sanguis, which are now and then found in the neighboring ponds. This creature fastened itself upon a small artery in the right temple. Its close resemblance to the medicinal leech caused the mistake to be overlooked until too late. N.B. The poisonous sangue of Charlottesville may also, I mean always, be distinguished from the medicinal leech by its blackness and especially by its writhing and vermicular motions which very nearly resemble those of a snake. I was speaking with the editor of the paper in question upon the topic of this remarkable accident when it occurred to me to ask how it happened that the name of the deceased had been given as Bedlow. I presume, I said, you have authority for this spelling, but I have always supposed the name to be written with an E at the end. Authority? No, he replied. It is a mere er, typographical error. The name is Bedlow with an E, with all the world over, and I never knew it to be spelt otherwise in my life. Then, said I mutteringly as I turned upon my heel, then indeed has it come to pass that one truth is stranger than any fiction. For Bedlow, without the E, what, did it, what is it but Old Deb conversed? Oh, I got it. <laughs> and this man tells me that it is that it is a typographical horror. I'm an error. Typographical error. There you go. That's it. Of the story. <laughs> I just got it. 
Bedlow is literally old up like backwards. <laughs> That's cool. That was the Tales of or the Tale of the Ragged Mountains by Edgar Allan Poe. Yay! I appreciate you guys for listening in with me. How's everybody doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a, it's been a little bit since reading Edgar Allan Poe, and it's kind of like you know, starting over again. <laughs> but yeah, I'm chilling like a villain. <laughs> yeah, it's been a little bit. I've missed talking with you alone. I've missed having our um our little shows. <laughs> yeah, it's been crazy. It's been a while. Um, like, hold on for a second. What the hell's going on? Okay. Bluetooth. Hello, Samantha. I hope you enjoyed the story. Smith has been here since I uh, started it. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Hearing some reading. Is that what? trying to I'm trying to save money so I can like you know go I have to get a car first so yeah. I think I might be getting fired from my job <laughs> wait you said you got fired from your job I may be getting fired from my job why well I realized that the first time I um, the first day I started working back over there, uh, I'm sorry, I've been just reading the comment real quick. Aw, no problem, no problem. Thank you for coming in, really, really. Appreciate <laughs> stated for real. And hopefully, uh, so I'll help you sleep sweet. But, um, I, uh, when I first started working back over there, I was like, I have a new crew, there's a new crew at night, and they don't like me. I don't know why. I'm just a drive-through attendant, or attendee, or tinder, however it's called. Yeah. And 
I've already been called <laughs> many names by the manager and the customers and the, the other, like the coworkers and all that stuff. And Well, if your manager is calling you name, I mean, that's grounds for like, you should be getting paid your salary and not even have to yeah. work. That's, uh, that's not cool. You can take them to court for that. You need to record yeah. them. You need to put, put a secret recording of your management abusing you. They can they're about to have that that job handed over to you. You can sit you can collect money and find something else to do. Can't be talking yeah, like that. I'm uh I've been um I mean I mean yeah like it's like like yesterday, right? Uh <laughs> I was I forgot to get myself, I forgot to get a ride to work. And I realized that. And I did the first thing I, th- I could think of. I called the a job, let them know, like, hey, I'm going to be a little bit late because I'm trying to get my ride. He got mad, or somebody got, he got mad at me. And he said, well, I'm going to need you to come in now as soon as you can. And I'm like, well, I'd have to walk there. And it takes me about, like, you know, half of my shift already right there just walking over there but all right <laughs> so it took me about an hour and a half to actually get there and then I was only there for like 20 minutes because he wanted to um give me a write-up and he said that I can go home and I was like but I just walked all the way over here in my work clothes <laughs> I was ready to work <laughs> and it just I had to walk a whole another hour and a half back after 20 minutes of just being able to just like stop. And then today I was going about to do the same thing, but he just told me to stay, um, stay put. Like, don't worry about coming in today. And I was like, okay, because I work five days out of the week. I'm only off two days, mm. but. I don't know. I've been, I'm just like uh, up and down and just back and forth. And I'm just, I think I'm just tired. (laughs) I understand that. I'm just getting a little exhausted, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I pretty much work around, pretty much, I pretty much just work around the clock myself. I'm running my businesses and driving Uber and uh, I just uh, worked an extra day at my security gig. I normally only work five days a week, but I'm about to cut it down to three days a week because um, I got other stuff that's making me a lot more money. I don't need to be there as much. So that's a plus. Beth be asking about you sometimes. Who? Beth. <laughs> Beth Hessian from uh, Breakout? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She asks about you sometimes. Are, are, are you guys... You talk to is, is Breakout still a thing? It is. Well, nobody... The the whole devotional room, that's still a thing. But everything else, like, everybody's, like, kind of stepped away from it. I don't really go on it. I go on it to, only to go to the devotional rooms. Or if case, um, this guy, he's uh, he calls himself... His name's Jason. I don't know if you know him. I don't know. You probably met him a couple of times. 
72 the uh, the architect from wisdom too <clears throat> jason b do you know him? i don't remember oh yeah jason b yeah i know yeah he um he does rooms on breakout um mondays he does it at 10 o'clock eastern time or yeah 10 o'clock eastern time um talking about just you know are you in there Oh, no, I was talking to my oh, other friend there. I'm asking to open the door. Oh, okay. I, forgot, I forgot my key in my car. I guess I'll walk back to the car and get the key. Ooh, I'm telling. <laughs> telling no, <I'm> what? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm joking. Ooh, I don't have hell? anybody to tell. I ain't got nobody to tell. Ooh, where the hell she's at? But, yes, sir. <laughs> Go get my oh boy. Oh, that yeah, that's the only time I go on breakout now. Huh? I've been on house a lot or wisdom and I hardly come on here. This is the first time coming back. I just decided to read something. Yeah. But, you know. Still living it, still living. <laughs> so you can do it, you gotta stick in there. Yeah. I mean I don't know why I have so much uh so much luck getting ahead in things, but I'm not uh not knocking it. I'm glad that it's happening. Well, I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. I'm, um... Oh, hey, there you are. Were you sleeping? Hey, Sarah. You okay? <laughs> How you doing? Talking to me, or are you talking to your coworkers? You're talking to my bestie, oh, my other bestie, Sarah. Anyway, Sarah, Sarah, or huh? The 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 Sarah over there. Yep. Oh, hey. He's <laughs> <coughs> bundled up in a little box. He looks like a burrito. You know, I actually made a song about a tortilla, right? But it became more of a rap. Oh my god. <laughs> You're ridiculous, Sarah. Do you know how many um, lips a flower has? How, ma how many what? How many lips a flower has? No. Two lips. Oh, come on. That was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. Gotta admit, that was. That was a good one. <laughs> I just heard that one today. <laughs> you still got all the dad jokes, huh? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, God. That one was so funny. <sighs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm surprised I forgot this this room. Because, um, like, I... Uh, I um because I just came in to listen and it just put me automatically up in speakers. I forgot that we created this room together. Yeah. I figured since I was gonna read a story from Edgar Allan Poe, I put it in Poe time. Poe time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm glad you're I still in, in good spirits and all that. Did you say you were going over to breakout? No, I go to Breakout to support um, a couple of people, mainly like Pastor Zoe and uh, Jason, whenever they have their rooms. Because those are the only two rooms that go on. So <laughs> really. no, nobody does rooms in, the, in there anymore. You said what? Where's Death and all in there? Clubhouse? Yeah. yeah. We just talked to, like, um, we just saw uh, Extra in there a couple of days ago, or a few days ago. Well, on Clubhouse? Mm-hmm. He stopped by in one of the rooms that was open that we had. Yeah, he, stopped, he stopped by here on um, on on Colin when I was doing a room a little bit ago. Uh-oh. So that was pretty cool to see him. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> when I was when I do my story time <laughs> on wisdom, Mister Two Xers over there like <laughs> messaging in the back. <laughs> His stupid remarks. I love it when people do that. I like interacting <laughs> with people in the messages, and they start clowning you. For some reason, though, every single time I push your messages, it always kicks me off. Yeah. I don't understand why. I don't get it. I'm just like, I want to reply to you, and then it's just like, every single time I'm about to reply to you, I want to, I'm about to, you know, but no, it just kicks me off, and then I'm just like, what the fuck? It's monkey doodle cakes. Mm-hmm. It's like fudge monkey doodle kicks on a stick through a hot day. Mm-hmm. Made up a new phrase. <laughs> so, Sierra del Valle. That is me. It's me, Mario. <laughs> I, I tried to watch that movie. I couldn't get through it. I didn't even watch it. I just do. I just think I had about a... the times, like you know, from Super Mario Brothers, <laughs> the game. <laughs> I've been having some crazy drama over here on my end. Um, I found out that my uh. My girlfriend has my girlfriend has a husband. <laughs> Wait, hold on. It was wild. <laughs> Wait, hey Maria, hold how up, you doing? Ma- Maria, Maria's in a listener's queue. Hi Maria, how you doing? Hey, 
Hello, Maria. Good morning. Buenos taco nachos. This is nacho taco in my hand. If you would like to, you yeah. can come up and talk for a little bit. I don't know how to, I'm not, I keep forgetting how to work call-in sometimes. All, all you got to do is like, you can, you can press her picture and it'll, it'll have a thing that says invite to speak. If I was a moderator, then I could do it, but you got to do it. Oh shit. I'm so sorry. I don't know how to, okay. Now I got it. <laughs> I forget. Hi, I told Maria. you I forgot how to work these things. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Is it? Do I pronounce it Isley? Izzy. 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 Hmm? I I dig it. Hey. Izzy, did you know Please. that you know the source of all Hakeem's drama is the fact that he's <laughs> such a handsome cat, and he really is. He's a handsome fellow. So I think he creates he his own drama. Uh, I, I, I think dang. I think drama dang. gravitates towards him because <laughs> he's such a handsome guy. You're trying to make me blush, Maria. That's what well, she's trying to do. Let, let's be honest, you're a fetching <laughs> fellow. Well, I, I just didn't oh, know if Izzy knew that or not. Ooh, you so dapper. Ooh, look at that. I mean, we, we, we've, uh, Sarah and I have FaceTimed before. Um, I met her on Wisdom, and we, we, we used to hang out a lot, a lot. And then, uh, and then, and then we drifted apart because Sarah, you know, she's got her own horses to ride. Whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> we haven't we haven't really talked for a while. Um, you know, she used to try to duck me whenever I'd go into a wisdom room that she had open. She'd close it as soon as I get in there, <laughs> running away from me. Did did we all hear Biden the other morning telling a reporter? asking him a question and he responded yes 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 you're a one horse pony anybody else hear that you're a one horse pony i mean isn't it supposed to be one trick pony yeah biden has lost Ooh, his damn mind in that salt and pepper right now <laughs> Biden, you're a one-horse pony, sir. Yeah. He's a one-horse pony. Look that at that smile hilarious. right now. Yeah. That is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I, thought it was I don't have the point. sound bite prepared, but... Oh, shit. Shit. <laughs> you remember that? Got you a little salt and pepper there, okay? I saved you there. I saved you. Salt and pepper. Okay. You're hilarious. 
dropping the name. <laughs> oh, snap. I am innocent until proven guilty. Thank you. Maria, have you ever talked to Farah Farah before? We talked on the I am not familiar. And I'm not familiar. You remember Extra's birthday bash we had? Oh yeah. With um with Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. I think I think that was the last time we hung out. Yeah. Yeah. All together. Extra over there making his oatmeal and shit. Taki sandwiches. It was, uh, yeah, me, you, Extra, and who else? We used to just kind of. Elizabeth. Maria was there. She came in. Oh, for a little bit. For different apps together. We used to bounce from wisdom to call in to break out. I think that, I think, um, you fell asleep. Possibly, it's not. Wouldn't be the first time. I mean, I, like I said before, I work out around the clock. I'm always working. Me and X, me and X were talking about. <laughs> is that a tire behind his head? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I still have that as my profile picture on Facebook. <laughs> it's a beautiful photo. <laughs> I will say. <coughs> Shit, talkies. Wait, is Breakout not on? Um, I'm trying to find Breakout on the App Store, the that uh, Apple Store, but it's, I can't find it here. It's weird. Oh, it launched. It finally launched. They launched it finally. So where? Holy so shit, what's it called now? How do I find it on? on the no, app? it's just it's still called Breakout. It's um, it's still yeah, it's still called Breakout. It's uh, it's not owned. Well, it's not. Ran by uh, what's his name? Oh, I Cody is Cody anymore? Oh, he stepped down. Yeah. Who's running it now? Uh, this guy. Um, oh my God, what's his name? Dane Cook is is the face of Breakout right now. Dane, uh, I, I don't know who he is. I think he's a comedian, from what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But he's the face of breakout, literally face breakout. <laughs> oh my god! He's there, like once you open the breakout app, it's, he's his face is right there, like whoa, hey. <laughs> it'll 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 shock somebody some real quick, uh, real fast, just for a moment. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Dane Cook or is it Dean Cook or Dane Cook? Dane. Hey. What's up? <coughs> Excuse me. Man, I got so many things to do tomorrow. I gotta wake up early in the morning and drive to Yorktown. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Grab my glasses. I'm but fortunately, I have a day off tomorrow, but I would have had two days off from the club, but the owner called me in. Or asked me to come in. I didn't have to, but I went in. And, uh, it was fun. I've been painting. <laughs> yeah, what have you been painting? 
I've recently painted a picture of a girl's face. <laughs> and then I paint, well, and then I'm trying to finish this one painting that I did a long time ago, a boogie boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. Still haven't finished him. He's been waiting on me to finish him for like ever. <laughs> My my account is still um is still good on uh, breakout. I just opened it up. Wow, it looks beautiful on the iPhone. <laughs> huh, cool. Breakout. I can see me. <laughs> Wait a minute. I gotta see if I can see you. Hold on. Coming back in. <laughs> Where are you at? Hello? <laughs> Hold on, let me turn the brightness on this thing up. There? Oh, it's all the way up almost. Okay, here you go. Hi! There has been a fly in this room. Hi! <laughs> I've been trying to talk to the fly, and Sarah's been trying to talk to the fly. I've been telling it to chill out, or else we're going to kill it. And it, it's just an asshole. Some flies are just like... I finally feed this video thing out again. Well, it's interesting that you had the video option available, but you didn't. I know. I finally got it. Reading. Now, listen, what? If it's so dark in there, how the hell were you reading? It was on the tablet. Oh. stuff to get, do early in the morning, but um, it was good to hear you reading and uh, good to uh, to talk to you for a bit. Mm -hmm. Hey! Oh, thank you for coming in today to story time with Easy. Good morning. <laughs> Be well. <laughs> Bye, Maria. Bye, Maria.